Um, yeah, so uh, I'll just be super real this morning and say uh, I don't think I've felt so um, uneasy about preaching um, for a very long time. The last time I felt so uh, like this, um, you know, you feel like something's not quite right. The last time that happened uh, when I was preaching was actually up in uh, at Discovery Church when I was the young adults pastor there, just up the road. And um, halfway halfway through the message, I actually couldn't kind of string a message together. And for those of you who don't know me, I know how to preach. <laughs> um, and I say that with all humility, but I travel all around the world and preach. It's kind of what I do. Some people know how to fix cars. I know how to preach sermons. I can write a sermon like that, preach it out. You know, I've preached thousands of times. Um, but I was up there and halfway through, I just could not preach. And Danny Galbraith may have even been in the service. I don't know. But um, halfway through this sermon, I actually just got off the platform and sat down, like just got off and just, I walked off. And, um, and my pastor grabs me and he says, what the heck is going on? Like you're all over the place. Or, uh, but he, but he recognized that there was something spiritual going on. And he pulled me around the side and he just said, I command this, you know, thing just to be broken off you right now in Jesus name. And I think for the second time in my life, I was slain in the spirit. Like I just went down, I just went bang. I actually woke up like eyes open with him over me saying, let him go, you know, and I'm like, oh God, you know. And then, and then I just went, I just went, I'm good, stood up, stood up and just preached this killer message. And like the Holy Spirit moved in such a powerful way. And uh, it was a really beautiful time. And I caught up with the pastor of the Form Church that week and he said, Andrew, it was like I was watching you get spiritually beat up on the platform, and, but then you walked off and came back and preached a great message. And I was like, yeah, I just feel like I was under a fair bit of attack. So I really appreciate it. Brett and, uh, and my wife prayed for me just before. And... Um, Sometimes you just need someone to stand with you, you know, when, you, when you're feeling not quite 100%. And so that was very special. And I'll, I'm just going to pray right now. And if you want to join me, I'm going to pray. Because I actually do believe I have a word for this room that could be quite profound. Um, and I dare say a word for the church uh, at large. So let's pray. Father, we just give you this time. We just need you. We love you. We know that in your word, uh, you used preaching. We see it all through scripture, that sermons impacted lives. And as we gather in this space, even though anyone in this room could probably preach, as I'm going to preach today, I do ask that you would use me, Lord God, that you would speak through me, that this would be a word for this room and a word for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. So lockdown um, for me has been an interesting journey. I think uh, I'm quite an extrovert. Quite, uh, I like to keep my life very full as well. 
I have a PA and a to-do list that's so long and color-coded and everything, and I still don't get to my to-do list, um, like get to everything. Uh, I, if you check my phone, I just have thousands of unread emails. <laughs> it's like, I live life very full. And I came into lockdown and I went, lockdown, we're not locked down, oh, the church isn't shut down, we're just gonna go online, like we're cool, you know, and I was preaching at conferences all over the world on Zoom and Facebook Live and all this, and I was like, oh, nothing's gonna slow me down. And then um, one morning, I was, with the, I was sitting with the Lord and I was reading Ezekiel, and um, in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 24, it says, But the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And he spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself within your house. And you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed upon you, and you shall be bound with them, so that you cannot go out among the people. Sounds like a lockdown, doesn't it? Go into your house, shut yourself down into your house, and be bound by cords so that you can't go out. And I'll make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and unable to reprove them for they are a rebellious house. So not only does he ask Ezekiel to go into his house and to not go out, he says you can't speak and even where you see things that you want to get vocal about, you want to correct, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> and um, it says, but when I speak with you, and I love this, but when I speak with you, this is the Lord, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And I was going through lockdown and I was thinking to myself, I've got a lot to say, but gee, I'd like to just say what the Lord wants me to say, not just all my opinions. And I think um, I had this time where I really felt the Lord say, don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste the gift of isolation, the gift of lockdown, the gift of this season. You are just on the treadmill all the time. You're on the hamster wheel, just running. You just go, 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 go. And you need to shut up and you need to sit and you need to listen. And even when the government is mandating that you sit, shut up and, you know, like, and be isolated, you still won't let me do this. You know, it's like I was like getting on the surgeon table and jumping off just again and again. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want this, this surgery. And I had this moment where I was reading this and I thought, you know what? I can be known for all my opinions or I can be known for the gospel. I can be known for what the Lord actually wants me to preach and to speak and to say. And I think so often we die on the wrong hill. I actually wrote a song um, during that time called Let Them Kill Me on the Hill of the Gospel. And um, I might sing it. Is that all right? Yeah. I was totally not planning to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is this all right, Simon? <laughs> I have to remember the song because I.
Bingham there. We good? You guys will be like, this is the weirdest church service we've been to for a long time. Yeah, so I've really been thinking about what matters. You know, what really matters. You know, you can have all the, the followers and the likes and the, and the, you know, everyone thinks you look great on the outside. You can have all the money, you can buy all the houses, you can do all of that. But what actually matters at the end of the day, and I think what um, lockdown for me has been, is an opportunity not to waste, not just a lockdown time, but my life and to make sure that I'm dying on the right hill and that I'm living for the right things. And I've been thinking about so many things, like I've been thinking about church, for example. And I don't know if anyone else has been just like doing a lot of thinking or whether you stayed really busy or what happened. But I was thinking a lot about church. I'm like, why do we get into the presence of God? Like in church or why do we have quiet times? Or why do we, like I've been doing a lot of questioning. And when Liam asked me to preach today, he said, you know, preach on whatever you want. But I saw that he was doing it. We were doing a series on um, life in his presence. And so I brought that to the Lord. And and I was like, what is the presence of God for? 
Why do we come into the presence of God? And I really uh, felt the Lord give me a bit of a message, which I'm going to share with you all today. Um, just on Peter's restoration. So I'll jump into that. And I've got five Ps because I still can't avoid being a preacher. Because, you know, uh, I was like, and I've got five points. So I have broken the mold of three points. So I'm, you know, I'm getting there. I'm growing. Um, but I've got five points. My message was simply going to be this today, that his presence points us to people. That was, that was it. But I did feel that there, were other, there are other things that his presence can point us to, and it evolved as I went. But I'm, I've been really convicted lately, and I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. This could be a bit of an, while also unorthodox, it could also be a very uncomfortable conversation today um, I really want to challenge us not to just go through the motions of church not to just go through the motions and and to and to even if I can say buy the narrative that we so often buy and we swallow without even questioning it so one of the things Joyce and I have wrestled with over lockdown is encounters with God um, being in charismatic Pentecostal kind of circles, there's such a high emphasis on encounters with God that look like lightning and, and burning bushes and all of that. But as we'll see in this passage, sometimes an encounter with God is just having breakfast with Jesus. Sometimes it's not lightning and it's not, you know. And, um, and I really believe that the Spirit is going to touch different areas in your life as I share today. That's often what we see with Jesus is he comes, he presents one thing and another thing rears its head. So it's not even the words that are spoken, it's the presence of God that does the, the surgery. And I want to invite you to allow him. Like if you think about the, the rich man who Jesus, he wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said, oh, he said, the guy said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And we all know because, well, many of us went to Sunday school that if you want to inherit eternal life, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. But he says to the rich young ruler, go and sell everything you have. Oh, hang on a minute. But that's because that was the thing that needed to be dealt with in that moment in order for that man to ever even consider confessing with his mouth and believing in his heart that Jesus was Lord. Like, let's not even have that conversation. Let's deal with the crap that's sitting right there in front of us. And, um, and I just believe different things will pop for you today as I share. So um, maybe that's why I've got five Ps, because some of us might be great with people, but there's some other areas that the Lord's just putting his hand on. And I want to say this as well. The scripture says, and I totally believe, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. How good is that? But there is conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts. And so... If this is a convicting message, please don't let it move into a condemning message. Does that make sense? Because there's a fine line and the enemy loves to grab conviction and then use it as condemnation. And he says, see, you're this and you're that and, you're, and that's all lies from hell. So don't believe those. Okay. It's always a good exercise to, to discern conviction from condemnation. If you want to know 
what's conviction, it's usually in here. If you want to know what's condemnation, it's usually going on in between here <laughs> and, and doesn't line up with this, if that makes sense. All right, so we're going to watch a quick clip. Kim, are you right to, to put this up? Um, and this is Peter's denial of Jesus. And so you'll see here that we've got, thank you very much, Rach, for pulling this out. We've got a little fireplace. And um, we're going to watch this. This is from The Passion of the Christ. And. Uh, Simon, can you help? Can you Thanks, Simon. All right, so we, we're going to watch this. And uh, thanks. It's a confronting scene, isn't it? This, this man who called Peter to follow him and in his darkest moment, in his, in his hour of need, Peter denies him. This man who they'd had meals together, they'd be washing of feet together, they'd been miracles together, they'd been the richness of that journey together and yet in his darkest moment, Peter denies him. Oh, what a, what a confronting scene. As I've been thinking about um, his presence and I've been thinking about the whole point of coming to Jesus and being with Jesus, I truly believe that we, we don't just live a lifestyle of presence just for presence sake. We live a lifestyle of presence because he's pursuing us with his presence for a purpose. Presence is always for purpose. It's always for something. And we're going to see, because there's this tension of, oh my gosh, that's what it looks like to kind of move away from Jesus' presence. We're about to see the beauty of what it's like to come into Jesus' presence. So if you're feeling the tension, <laughs> that's okay. We, we, we don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to waste church experiences, quiet times, time with the Lord, time with each other. We don't want to waste lockdown time. Well, we don't, I don't want to waste life. I just don't want to. And yet, how do, we, how do we experience the fullness of what Jesus offers when we come to him? I really believe that we experience it when we come, we experience the fullness when we come with open hands and we just let the Lord do what he wants to do. And we don't pretend and we don't um, segment off and we don't build walls. We just come fully authentic. One of the things the Lord's been messing me up on lately is this concept of authentic community. And I think when you, when you're not, when you don't go to church, you realize how much you're not actually in authentic community with the people you go to church with. That's been an awkward thing to realize over the last four months. I'm like, oh, we can be best of buddies on a Sunday morning, but we don't really hang out outside of that. And do we, even for four months, we might not talk to each other if we don't see each other on Sunday. And the Lord's been showing me that we need each other. Like, we, we need to allow him to work on us from every angle because the enemy's working at us from every angle. And so we need our quiet times, we need our church services, we need authentic community, we need people that will sharpen us, people that will speak into our lives because the enemy's coming at you with, at every angle. 
But Jesus wants to encounter you at every single opportunity as well. And sometimes we isolate ourselves against all wisdom and, and you know, sound judgment. Sometimes the Lord's inviting you to get away, but sometimes you're getting away and you actually need to lean in. One of the things the Lord's asked me to do over the last few months is a Nazarite vow. I don't know if you've heard of a Nazarite vow, but that's why my beard is a little too long and scruffy and my hair's getting longer. Um, but the Nazarites would make this vow because they just wanted to be consecrated to the Lord and they wanted to get away with the Lord. So I've not, not been on social media, haven't had coffee, haven't had alcohol, haven't had different meats, haven't had TV or movies or social media, you know, all this stuff. It's just, it's not been a part of my life for the past two months, which has been really good. And I've got about another month to go and then, thank you, Lord, I'll be able to see my face again. But I felt the Lord during this time when I was wrestling with Ezekiel and his calling, I felt the Lord say, I want you to consecrate yourself and just just put down all these things that are competing for you and me. And in that, he's brought up all of these beautiful, uncomfortable growth areas that I'm loving. I'm absolutely loving it. And um, a few people that know me well have said, Andrew, we've never seen you so relaxed, like so at peace. And it's because I'm really allowing him to work. And honestly, one of the big areas he's been speaking to me about is, Andrew, you're friends with everyone but no one. And I think what Facebook did is it cheapened hugely the value of friend. Actually makes me really like righteously angry that they called it that. Why did they have to call it friend? Joyce said this. She said, they should have called it acquaintance. I've got 4,000 acquaintances, but I don't have many friends. And um, yeah, and we... And I, I've wrestled with it because, do you know what? Most of the time I actually like it that way. It's harder work to be a real friend. It's even harder work to have someone else be a real friend to you because then you invite them in. And there's, and there's that awkwardness of them getting to speak into your life. And I said this to Joyce. Um, I said, honey... I, I like me and God because me and God I can control. Now you might say, well, you can't control God. No, but I can, I can control the way I respond to him because he's such a gentleman, he gives me space. But with people, they'll just tell me how it is and I, they don't then say, do you need an hour to think about how I just had a crack at your kids or at your wife or at you or, you know, it's like, no, no, you're in that moment. You have to respond in that moment. And so I actually like being shallow with everyone and deep with no one, and it's really unhealthy. And sometimes we need to choose to go deep. And uh, anyway, so got a few random thoughts here. I hope you're okay with it. Maybe as I share, the Lord will just go, sell everything you have, you know, like you'll just pop a couple of things for you in this time. And I really believe it's going to be a healing time. We're going to have some ministry at the end. Let me make my five points because I know I'm really eating up time. Danny's looking at me like, bro, I'm hungry. I need some lunch. I want to go deep, but not that deep, bro. All right. So I'll set the scene. So, G so Peter has denied Jesus 
And what does he do? He goes and does what he knows, which is he goes fishing. He just goes back to work. He's like, look, that was great. Jesus is dead. They'd probably like to kill me as well. I think I'll just go fishing. So he goes fishing. And while he's fishing, a miracle, like a mirror miracle of when he was first called, happens where all these fish fill, get filled up in this net. And it's Jesus' way of getting his attention and those that he's with. It says, uh, so, so they're fishing and... Um, as day is breaking, Jesus stands on the shore. This is John 21, verse 4. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. If you know the story of the calling of Peter, you would know that this is the same miracle that Jesus had done then. And uh, it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved... This is John. If you know, John's wrote the book. He thinks highly of himself. He says, That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, I'm finding myself getting very emotional. <laughs> Just for a change, because I never, I'm never emotional. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. I love that picture. It's like, here's the man I denied. The last time I saw him, he was dying on a cross and I denied him. And yet he sees him. He knows he's so good. He knows he's so full of mercy. He's so full of kindness that he throws himself into the sea, the very sea that he's walked on with this man. He throws himself in. He's like, I've got to get, I gotta get to Jesus. It says, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. Now, I want to highlight the significance of the charcoal fire. Because when Peter denied Jesus, it says here, in John 18, verse 18, Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. This is the setting in which he betrays Jesus, in which he denies Jesus. And now Jesus makes another charcoal fire. And he makes another charcoal fire to redeem the charcoal fire that was so defiled. Think about it. If I say fire or, you know, smoke, you straight away have an association, don't you, when you think of the smell. Think of the aroma of smoke. I think of sitting around a campfire with friends, that's one thought. Or if I were to say bacon, you know, straight away you have an association. I think of pancakes and bacon with the kids, you know, that's something that we, and maple syrup. Oh, I haven't had bacon for months, I'm like, if there was a pig walking through here, I'd just... 
kill it and eat it. But you've got to understand, Peter comes and surely his senses would have been in, on overdrive, remembering the last time I was by a fire in the presence of Jesus, I was denying him. And yet in this moment, Jesus restores him. And he says this, although there were so many that it was torn. Yep. So verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. There's no smoke, there's no lights, there's no big sermon, there's no worship. All of those things are good. There's no live stream. It's just breakfast, just you and me. Hey, let's just have breakfast together. Come and have breakfast. <clears throat> now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Joyce, can you get me some water, please? <coughs> Thanks. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. So if you're taking notes, presence points to people. That was, I made that point before, but I'm making it again. He comes into the presence, and we see this the same with um, Isaiah. When Isaiah comes in the presence, here I am, send me. Thanks, Joyce. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, we see it even in Matthew 5, 23 to 24. If you come to the altar and you realize that you've got something against a brother, leave the altar and, and make things right. Often when we come into the presence of God, po God points us to people. And so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love me? Okay, great. Feed my lambs. You need, you've got a job to do and it's people. Just so you know, it's, he's not literally saying go and become a sheep feeder. Lambs are people. I just want to be clear on that. So he's saying, feed my people. Feed them. And then he says this. I love this. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to me, tend my sheep. You've got to understand that Peter was called to be the rock on which the church was built. So presence doesn't just point to people, it points to purpose. Presence points to purpose. When you get in the presence of God, he will remind you of what he put you on the planet to do. And I think sometimes we're so busy getting out of the divine call of God for our lives that we don't actually like to come and have present, like presence with him. We don't like to be in the presence of him because he'll remind us that he's actually got something greater for us than what we're actually living in right now. He says, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. And I want to make this point. That presence points to pain. And we don't like that often as righteous, charismatic kind of sons and daughters and saints and all of these great things that we are. We don't like pain. No, 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 we don't do pain. We do, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? But sometimes presence points to pain because presence, like the word, just cuts us right deep. 
It just cuts us so deep, but in such a great way. See, in this moment, what is, why is Peter grieved? He's grieved because Jesus keeps asking him again and again. And Peter knows that he denied again and again. And it hurts because sometimes the love of God hurts because it's actually almost like too good to be true. Does that make sense? Like you're like, no, 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 not that bit. No, 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 no. And he goes, no, 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 I want to love that bit. No, 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 that's something that I've put aside. I'm going to love you right there. No, 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 that would hurt too much because it would mean I would actually have to lay it on the altar and I don't want to lay it on the altar. Some of us, we actually get so comfortable with living with a, a disability, if I can put it that way, a spiritual disability, that we don't want to, um, we don't actually want it to be fixed. We quite like the way we've set up our safety net so we don't get hurt again. Presence points to, to pain, but it also points to perspective, to seeing things through the eyes of Jesus. Because it says here that Peter was grieved. Why? Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And in this moment, Peter gets heaven's perspective. You denied me three times. I restore you three times. I remember uh, talking, I've done this several times, prayed with people, they've come for prayer and they talk to me about how they're masturbating and looking at pornography and how it's just destroying their intimacy with the Lord and, and it's really messing up, you know, they know that it's not who they're meant to be and rah, rah, rah. And I will grab their hands and I will hold their hands in my hands and I'll say, I hold your hands and I look at your hands and I call you beautiful and I call you pure and I bless you in Jesus' name. And these hands are hands made for healing, not for hurting. And you are a healer. And, and I say, and I know what you're doing with these hands. And I bless them and I call them holy. And you see people just get rocked to the core because they're like, heaven's perspective comes and covers comes around the charcoal fire and says, hey, you denied me here three times, but three times I will restore you and tell you what, tell you your purpose, that you're actually Peter and you're the one that's going to build the church. And for every time you deny me, I'm just going to rebuke the lies of the enemy that are going on in your head saying, I'm not worthy. And I'm going to say, feed the sheep, tend the lambs, feed the sheep. And the last thing that our presence points to is prophecy. My wife's telling me time, so this is my last point. We we good? Alright. I don't even know what time it is. Alright. I'm an open book if you hadn't noticed. Like she's like silently going, And I'm like, are you saying time? So Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus just after he said, feed my sheep a third time. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you wherever you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. Presence points to prophecy. And one of the things that will happen in the presence of God is he will reveal things 
that you didn't even think you needed to know about in that moment, but he puts his finger on it. And Jesus was, was in this moment saying, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, and by the way, you're going to die for your faith. Now come follow me. And Peter does. And so this is my invitation to you today, my very scattered, very unpolished, very emotional, interesting message. My invitation for you today is come and have breakfast with Jesus. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your world. But I reckon he really wants to have breakfast with you. I reckon the presence of God is pursuing you and will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. And and what we need to do is we need to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and when we see him, look past all the lies and all the shame and all the, the crap that the enemy throws at us, all the guilt, everything, and throw ourselves into the sea and run to him because he always has good and perfect gifts for you if you will come into his presence. And so that's my invitation today, is that we would come into his presence, let him do the work that we've got to do, that that he's got to do. And uh, I think everything else I said today were just little side bits that I was just throwing out there, but that's the main point. And maybe the side bits were your main point today, I don't know. But my main point is this, his presence will pursue you. So come and have breakfast with him. So what I, what I want to do is I want to invite Simon to come up and just play for a bit. Maybe Joyce will jump in and just sing over us and just create some space for you to just be with the Lord. And I want to re-emphasize this point, maybe because it's just a little soapbox that I'm on at the moment, but you don't need this to experience presence. I just want to remind you of that, right? I've spoken to people that over the COVID time, because they didn't go to church, they felt like they didn't have any connection with God, any meaningful connection with God. That is like really sad. We have to look in the mirrors, the church, and say, what did we teach these people? Because like, if you can't have like, sorry, I'm last, last, last rant, okay? (laughs) If you can't just find him at, at breakfast, then you've bought some sort of weird cultural lie. It's, you don't have to have pads playing in the background to experience the presence of God. And sometimes the presence of God just looks like being with him, listening to him and doing what he said. Done. It's really simple. And we need to know how to feed ourselves, if that makes sense. And how to, how to do real community with maybe one other family or two other families. And not just do shallow with everyone. Because where would your Christianity be if this didn't exist? We've got to be able to come and have breakfast with the Lord. The end. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much. You are awesome. You are incredible. And you pursue us. You woo us. You wait for us on the shore. And all you ask is that we would come and have breakfast. You You don't condemn You may convict, but you always convict for purpose. You always convict because you are that loving surgeon that actually wants to see us make it through the other side healthier and stronger than before.
So, Father, right now we place ourselves on your altar. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. And we just, we just say, Lord, do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. Thank you.